podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are previewing round two of the Sunflower Showdown. Look, the first one did not go the way that most Kansas fans expected, and I think it didn't go the way that most Kansas State fans expected once we got to halftime. So, um, look, this is this is a, a hotly contested matchup, one that both of these teams actually, I think, are on a good trajectory moving forward. Uh, maybe a little bit bumpier for Kansas State than, than they were hoping after a few of the games that they had. But to help me to preview this game, to understand what's going on with the, with the Wildcats, um, I have coming to the podcast for the first time. It's Connor Balthazar, uh, part of the it's the Aggie Town Alley Cats podcast. Is that correct? Aggieville Alley Cats. That's right. That's what. I, yeah. yeah. Aggieville, not Aggie Town. <laughs> I don't know why where I came up with town. Anyway, appreciate you coming on, Connor. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Happy to be here. All right. So obviously, uh, you know, these two teams are in completely different places right now. Uh, although I, I think if you talked about or if you talk to any Kansas State fan, at least the ones that I know um, about where they are at this point, like it seems like most Kansas State fans are pretty happy with where they are so far. Um, is that a fair statement or is there potentially some some uh, unrest over in Manhattan? Uh, I think it's a very serious mixed bag. I think there's some people that are pretty happy with where we're at, all things considered, especially when things seem pretty dire earlier in the year. But I mean, we have a pretty large segment of the face, at least a fan base, I should say, at least right now, where it feels like with every win, you know, it's unparalleled highs, and with every loss, the the sky is falling, and it's it it, it gets a little bit uh, tiring after a while just to have these <laughs> emotional roller coasters just week to week, you know, like the the entire status of the program changes, you know, based on if you lose to like tenth ranked Baylor or on ranked Iowa State on the road so it's it's been a wild ride this year to be to be certain as a K-State fan but I've enjoyed it well and and to be honest like or I should say really my question there is how much of that is due to the thoughts of the fan base on Bruce Weber as a coach because I, I mean yes he's had some really great runs at times but it yeah. almost it almost feels like he's gotten extremely fortunate in some of those like I'm thinking specifically that Elite Eight run that he had not too many years ago yeah. Um, you know, it, it seemed to me from looking from the outside that there was a large portion of the fan base that was ready to get rid of Bruce Weber and he's performing better than I think people expected him to. But like, are there still people that or I should say, is it still kind of that mixed bag of people don't really know what to or how to feel about Bruce Weber continuing to be the coach of Kansas State? I'd say it averages out to that because I think that at varying points in the season, there's been. I mean, I feel like this team has died and resuscitated itself at least three or four times this entire season. I mean, you go through some of these stretches like the OU through TCU games to start Big 12 play. That's an 0-4 start. And all of those games you led in the second half or led in like the final minute. And I mean, that that gets pretty painful. Then you come back and you beat Texas Tech and you went on the road to Texas and all of a sudden they're back. And of course, the next game is the KU game, which just took all of the wind out of any metaphorical yeah, sales. Yeah. So it's been, I, I think almost all of the feelings on this team revolve around Bruce Weber, because I think that it's pretty well understood that there's at the very least a talented uh, backcourt here, or, or should I say is it backcourt is guards. I always get them mixed up front court. The back guards court are really guards. Yeah. Yeah. Front court. Front, is, yeah. Yeah. The front court is really good on this team. Uh, the Nigel pack, Marquis Noel, Mark Smith, 
uh, trio has been good. It's just been the bigs that have struggled. But most people know that this is a at least a team that has good players on it, as opposed to maybe some of the other Bruce Weber seasons where they haven't been as good. It's just been coaching hasn't been there and the talent hasn't been there. These are at least semi-talented teams that just cannot figure it out down the stretch, with that, which I do think is indicative of coaching when you lose a lot of close games like that. So I think Bruce is almost solely responsible for the feelings on this team. Yeah, I mean, and and really, if you think about it, like how many of those games were ones that they really should have won? Uh, I mean, honestly, I a think, lot of them. Right. Like, I think oh. the Kansas game, you know, as great as it is for me to be able to say that Kansas won that game, like Kansas State should have won that game. Like the way that that was. Yeah, it was a case. Yeah, it was K-State. much more a K-State collapse, I think, than Kansas putting everything together. Like they kind of snowballed um, yeah. together. But um you know, but you look at some of the other ones too. Like they honestly should have had that win against Oklahoma State in the last game. Um, yeah. Like I don't know, the, but but then again, they also kind of benefited from an epic collapse by Iowa State. <laughs> uh, they did just, just yeah. a few games before that, so it's been a very up and down team. Um, I, I I agree with you though. From the outside, it definitely looks like the issue with Kansas State isn't necessarily talent; it's how the talent's being utilized. Um, yeah, which yeah, totally is agree. not helpful. And obviously not something that you can feel super psyched about, you know, getting ready to come up against well, one of the better coaches in all of basketball in Bill Self coming up in this next game. So, um, yep. so I mean, kind of looking at this game a little bit, uh, you know, looking at the game, what is it that you would point to as, you know, maybe a reason for Kansas State fans to be optimistic coming into the game against Kansas? Um, I think that a big reason to feel optimistic is the guard play. Uh, the Nigel Pack, Marquise Noel, Mark Smith trio, like I mentioned before, they've been really great recently. Uh, Sultan Miguel, he's back from injury and he's kind of the defensive stopper of the team. He's not too much of an offensive threat, but he he can drive if he needs to. But I definitely look to the guards on this team uh, because Mark Smith was a no-show uh, in the home game against KU, which is one of his few poor performances this year. He's been a double-double machine. I mean, he's leading the conference and rebounding at six foot four. It's some, I've, I've never seen anything like it, at least for, uh, for rebounding. Uh, Nigel, uh, even when he has an off night, he's still scoring 16, 17 points. So, I mean, that's unquantifiable how valuable that is. I mean, he scored 31 against Baylor and we scored 60 that whole game. So he can score at will essentially. And Noel, he's been finding his shot recently. He struggled for a while. He was shooting sub 30% from three for a minute there, but he recently has climbed out of that pit a little bit, hit some really, really big shots against Iowa state, despite a few blunders as well in that game. But Noel has been really good recently. So it's definitely the guards. If I'm a K-State fan, which I am, I'm looking at the guards. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Kansas fans, I think all recognize just how great Nigel Pack is. And that, that was kind of going to be my next question was who else, from this team, uh, the rest of the guards are definitely um, something for Kansas to be worried about. I, I don't I even know. I, I would probably put Kansas guards up against pretty much any other guard trio in the nation. But yep. um, Nigel definitely is kind of one of those sharpshooters that that can be difficult to account for, especially since he's so small. It's easy to lose him on the court when he's that small. <laughs> like yeah. he can duck around people and you don't necessarily know where he's coming from. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something to kind of worry about. I I do wonder though, down low, because it seemed like in the last game, like that was a big mismatch. And I don't think honestly that David McCormick played very well. He's playing much better now. And Kansas has two other big men that have really come on pretty strongly in KJ Adams and Zach Clements in, 
kind of limited capacities. Um, how, how big of a worry is it the the down low play for this game? Uh, it's massive because it's the biggest worry period for K-State at this point in the season. Davion Bradford hasn't been able to prove that you can do it offensively. Uh, he's probably the best defensive option just because of his sheer size. And he's able to generally keep players in front of him, but offensively it just isn't working. Lingard gets pushed around in the uh, in the paint constantly. Uh, the only thing he offers is range. And then Casey Ziegu, he's been playing on about half a leg for this entire season. So he very rarely is able to make a significant impact. And when he is, it's pretty much dunking the ball. And KU, yeah, I do know that at least all the KU fans that I know, they do express frustration. David McCormick, but as a K-State fan, I would do unspeakable things to have David McCormick <laughs> on my team. You know, it's actually have... kind of funny because earlier this week, uh, actually the 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 episode coming from from yesterday that that published on Monday was, um, you know, made a, a comment about how David McCormick is actually better this year than he was last year. And I went back and looked at the numbers and yeah, you look at it like he is, he is much better at rebounding. You know, he's arguably the second best rebounder in, in the entire nation at this point um, behind Oscar Shibwe. Like when, when you look right. at entire rebounding and rebounding rate and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, his blocks have come down a little bit, but his game is definitely funneled more at not or you know, avoiding people coming at him. So he doesn't get as many block opportunities and it's more about funneling over to other people getting those opportunities. Um, his game has changed quite a bit and it definitely has picked up recently. Um, you know, he's, he's on a little bit of a hot streak right now, which means it's the perfect time for, you know, him to just have a random game where it doesn't all come together for whatever reason. If you're a Kansas fan, who's, you know, suffering from, from, uh, you know, big withdrawal at this point. So, uh, but no, I, I mean, I, I do, you know, I, I kind of looking through Kansas state's profile, that seems to be kind of the one area of huge concern is that post play, like in terms of 2%, two point, you know, free throw percentage, I'm sorry, two point field goal percentage. Uh, they're really bad offensively and defensively. Um, yeah. you know, it seems like they have problems rebounding again, both offensively and defensively. Um, you know, and they have problems with blocks again, offensively and defensively. Yeah. So like you said, a lot of that can be traced to the post play. Is it one of those things though, where it is such a mismatch when you look at this, that you, that you are almost worried that it's not even possible. Well, obviously it's possible because they almost did it in Manhattan, but like, is it, is it a worry that that is going like, that's the big specter hanging over the entire game. The fact that that mismatch is looks so big on paper that it's hard to imagine that the the other side can swing far enough for Kansas State to, to remain competitive. Yeah, I would absolutely say that. I think that was the difference in the first game was the second half. K-State was unable to adjust uh, its rebounding strategy because KU was crashing the boards and we could do absolutely nothing about it. I mean, it was one of the most frustrating games to watch as a fan is when Nigel Pack is your leading scorer and your leading rebounder and you only had four rebounds. So, Ooh, yeah, I didn't it, even realize that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. I think KU, they definitely had at least double the total rebounds that we had in that game. And we were already not a particularly great rebounding team, but that broke what little rebounding spirit we had left. But this team, the bigs, grant, granted, I will say this is at least partly uh, the strategy that Bruce Weber has used in the past is he, he prefers his bigs to block out and the guards to come in and clean up and pick up the rebounds. But Regardless, if we ever do need bigs to rebound, none of them are particularly great at doing that. I, there's not really a way to like be light about it. Is that we don't really have a big on this team that can rebound. Our best rebounder is six foot four, and that's just a massive problem. 
uh, post defense is probably the only area that I'd say that they're okay. And that's in post up defense. They aren't great at tracking driving guards. Uh, Easy Agu's lateral movement is really limited right now because he's just been dealing with leg injury. Lingard gets pushed right on the post. Bradford is probably the best defender in the post uh, out of the big three, uh, I guess you could say. But uh, I, yeah, I'm very worried about the uh, the post play going into this game. Yeah, I, I think that that's entirely fair. All right, I do want to talk about specific matchups and kind of keys of this game and then maybe a, a few other topics. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Current and former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone Family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure, this is one family reunion you won't want to miss. Each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. And we're back here with Connor Balthazar of the, uh, I'm going to get it right this time. It's the Aggieville Alley Cats Podcast. Yes, it yes, is. There we go. I got it right this time. <laughs> okay. So Connor, we've obviously, obviously already talked about a little bit about the profiles and things like that, but you know, and, and kind of some of the particular matchups, but is, is there a matchup where you actually think that Kansas state might have an advantage in this game? Um, I think if K-State goes small ball, they stand a chance. Uh, I think that if I'm K-State, I'm spending most of the game with Ish Masood at the five. He's a little undersized. He's six foot nine. And McCormick would probably be able to get a few easy buckets on him, especially if he remains in the game for that whole time. But I'd really like Ish because he has recently finally found his stroke. He went through about a month and a half long cold streak where he didn't score more than five. But he's reached double figures in the last uh or two of the last three games i believe and he's six foot nine he stretches the floor he's basically a poor man's dean wade and uh i i really like uh what he adds to the offense when his shot's falling and i i'd really like to see us uh have him on the floor a little bit because i i don't think it's worth trying to run a traditional offense just because it's it's not even so much uh elite post play from ku thing i think it's more just our our post play is just so lacking offensively in so many ways that I'd like to see us go uh, four guards, uh, maybe even five out, honestly. Which honestly may not may not be a bad idea because that will probably require Kansas to kind of counter doing a similar sort of thing. And that means you're either playing Jalen Wilson at the five or you're trying to bring in a guy like Zach Clements, which they both have played okay. But like J- J- Jalen Wilson at the five against West Virginia didn't really necessarily go that great in their last game. And Clements has had some limited time since he came back. Um, like that's honestly where I think Kansas would go in that case. McCormick has had an issue trying to play against five, you know, big, big men who are undersized compared to him. Um, I, I do think that there's a good portion of his game that like thrives off of the challenge of another big guy that can really kind of, you know, bash with him down low that he actually uses that as part of his game, part of his shooting touch. And when there's not a guy that can really give him that resistance, it's hard for him to, you know, unless he's getting a wide open dunk, like it's hard for him to actually be able uh, to, to adjust to that on the fly. And so I definitely think that having a guy like Zach Clements is huge for this Kansas team, uh, assuming that he's able to kind of fill in the gap there or a guy like KJ Adams, if it's kind of a speed issue, Um, it'll be interesting to see, I think how Kansas throws, the rest of their roster at Kansas state. If, if Masood is the guy that plays the five most of the time. Um, so yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to kind of see what that, 
kind of cat and mouse and, and, you know, strategic decisions are going to be there. Um, but it's also kind of one of those things, unfortunately, given, you know, unfortunately for, for Kansas state fans, like Bruce Weber, the guy that's calling the shots there, I, I, I feel like almost everybody involved, if not everybody involved, has much more confidence that Bill Self is going to find the right combinations as opposed to Bruce Weber finding the right combinations, yep. especially given the fact that Bill Self probably has a lot more to work with on the roster, just given the way that the yep. state of the roster is at this point. So I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, Bruce, he might figure it out in the first half, but that's probably the big differing factor between those two is I think Bill Self is really good at adjusting. Uh, his lineups I think he's a good in-game adjuster at least comparatively to Bruce Weber Bruce that's I think that's why he comes out flat in the second half so much is he sees something work in the first half he's like well let's just do the exact same thing and that right. kind of not not anticipating the counter that's going to be coming right yeah nope that, unfortunately that's one of those things that there are some coaches that just are not great at that and you know they they kind of have to deal with it or or end up moving on at this point so okay it sounds like neither of us really think that there is a, a realistic chance that Kansas State pulls the upset. But if that were to somehow happen, what would have to happen in the game for Kansas State to have a chance to pull the upset here? Um, Honestly, my game script would be basically exactly what happened in the first game, except we don't get absolutely punished on the boards. I think that we need to have, we don't even need to win the rebounding battle. We don't even need to have it within single digits. We just need to have a respectable rebounding performance. We can do that. and. If it doesn't have to just be Nigel, but if the guards can get hot from distance, which they've shown that they can do that about any game really at this point. And because, I mean, you have plenty of three point shooters that can really do some damage. You have your Nigel packs your Marquise Noels, your Mark Smith, your Mike McGurls, uh, even Lucas Supke occasionally hits a three or two, but if they can get hot from distance, that will be what keeps K-State in the game because they've proven the last few games that they're honestly more adept at just taking the long shots they are driving to the the bucket they've had higher three-point percentages than two-point percentages here for a couple of games at times which is so, crazy but it's unbelievable but that's <laughs> the nigel pack effect basically he's taking most of his shots from way deep anyways so yeah that will do it so all right so i i do want to rather than than finish up with the game i kind of want to talk about though the rest of the fact that like the Big 12 is an absolute beast this year. The fact that Kansas yeah. State right now is fifth place in the Big 12, which is really strange to think about, like when you it think is. about all the other teams that are there in the conference. But how, um, you know, depending on who you look at, Kansas State is, is fighting for a tournament spot right now. You know, they are probably somewhere on the bubble, whether it's one of the first or next teams out, or I think I've seen a few that actually have them as kind of the last teams in. Um what do you like? What kind of realistic shot do you give Kansas State of making the NCAA tournament? And what do they have to do for you to feel comfortable going into the Big 12 tournament that they have a really good shot at it? If we had beaten Oklahoma State, I would have felt a lot better about our chances. But losing an overtime to Oklahoma State, a team that has quite literally nothing to play for, uh, that uh, that really hurts. But yeah, four games remaining you have at KU, at Texas Tech, and you also have Iowa State and OU at home. And you, you have to uh, take care take care of business at home and it, it's it's tough to say that you have to win a game at KU or at Tech because those are the last two places I would want to play at this point in the season and I, I think the most realistic shot they have is take care of business at home and win one maybe two games in the Big 12 tournament and get a little lucky honestly because this is this is a team where you know we can moan and complain about 
uh, how close they get and if they're deserving or not. But this is a team that lost Marquette home by one on the road to OU by two at West Virginia by three home against TCU by three after being up by six with like a minute left. And then the KU game, they lose on the road to Ole Miss and then they blow a game against Oklahoma state. I mean, this they've team had lots of chances. Plenty, yeah. Plenty of opportunities to improve their resume and they haven't been able to do it yet. And this is, I think at least on paper, a fringe tournament team. I, I think they're probably about where they should be right now. I, I wouldn't be comfortable putting them in the field, but I wouldn't be comfortable leaving them out of the conversation. Right. But they, they have to at least go two and two and the remainder of the regular season. And if that's the case, cause that's the bare minimum, I think they need to pick up two games in Kansas city. Yeah. It's, it's also kind of one of those things, you know, looking at it, I, I almost think, and I was talking about this over on the 10, 12 earlier this week, um, like I almost feel like Kansas State would be better served getting jumped by somebody in terms of tournament seating. Um, because I think that a win, like even just a single win over a team like Texas Tech or Baylor, like if you get that first one, is gonna do much more for your resume than a win over a team like Texas. Um yeah. so like if you're if you're the number five and you get a win over Texas, but can't follow that up with a win over KU in the Big Twelve tournament, that probably hurts you more yeah. than, you know a win over either Texas tech or Baylor and then losing to the other one. Like, I think that's a better scenario for you. Assuming of course, yeah, you know, that they win the Iowa state game and they win uh, the Oklahoma game and then lose the other two. So um, yeah. yeah. If, if you like, if, if, if we assume that they're going to go two and two the rest of the way in the regular season, they're probably better served by a team. Uh, well, a team like TCU or someone jumping over them. So that way they get that five yeah. spot. I'm sorry. So they get that six spot instead of the five spot in the, in the conference standings. So. Yeah. As long as we aren't playing TCU, cause we've played them like a million times. It feels like <laughs> because back in 2019 and 2020, I think we played them a total of like six times in two seasons. Cause they were our first round matchup in the big 12 tournament, uh, two seasons in a row. And I don't know, it just felt like we were constantly playing TCU and the same thing happened in baseball. We played them like seven times in like two weeks or something like that. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I think the only way that you're not, I'm sorry, the only way that you would play TCU is if you both got upsets and made it fairly far yeah. in the in the Big 12 tournament. So I, I think you guys are pretty safe there, unless TCU just loses out the rest of the way. Like, theoretically, that could do it. But I find yeah. it hard to believe that that's actually going to happen the way that they're playing. So, all right. Well, Connor, thank you so much for joining me. For those that want to find your work online and follow your podcast and, and everything else that you do, where's the best place to do that? Uh, you can look us up on any podcast platform that you have, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anything else. Uh, we're on Twitter at, at Aggieville A Cats, capital A, capital A, capital C in Cats. And I'm on Twitter as well. It's uh, capital C in Connor, capital B in Baltazar. Uh, good luck with spelling Baltazar. Yeah, yeah. Well, we will have a link to it in the show notes. So that way, those that want to find it can. But Excellent. Connor. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcast, like Connor said, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. You just need to search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can uh, get subscribed and get every single episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. But if not, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network, covers all the teams in the Big 12 Conference, yes, including Kansas State. Um, we don't have a Kansas State-specific podcast yet, but we are definitely 
on the lookout for one and still cover the, the, the Wildcats in any way that we can. Over there on the network, we do have 11 different podcasts right now that are covering a bunch of different teams in the conference. So if you go over on Twitter um, at 1012 Network, that's T-E-N-1-2 Network, you can get links to all the great shows that we have over there. We are on the Anchor platform, so you can actually subscribe. Uh, I'm sorry, you, you can actually leave us a voicemail. Uh, so you can actually get your voice here on the show. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message and you can leave that voicemail. I promise we'll get on the show. I really want someone to go ahead and leave us that message so that we can address it here on the show. I've been looking forward to it. So, uh, But uh, make sure you visit sponsor here on the, podca- uh, the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Uh, promo code CHOCK12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. Still hoping that they're going to go ahead and give us some Kansas stuff here in the next couple weeks as part of this big new Saturday. But uh, that, that is going to do it for us today. Connor, thanks again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all, and yes, I want you to be listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins, going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week, and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.